Hebrews chapter 12, I will be reading this morning, verses 3 through 11. And uh, it is our habit to work our way through books of the Bible. So you know what to expect. Wherever I leave off this week, you show up next week. Uh, that is what we will be studying until we are done with that book, generally speaking. Every now and then take a little hiatus and, and go and preach on some other text. But um, that's what we do here. We don't want to skip anything. Uh, that, in a lot of ways, gives us the full counsel of God's Word, but it also keeps me from just preaching on the things that I just want to preach on. And there are sometimes there are texts that you would rather skip, you know, like some of those texts you're reading your Bible and you say, like, I don't know what that means, or it kind of makes me uncomfortable, whatever that means. Well, we don't skip those. We spend time there because if God put it in His book, He has something to say to us, and so we preach those. So today is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can... Come into this place and study your word. Please speak to us. Please teach us about your goodness, your good aims, even through the difficulties of life. We admit and you know that not everything in this world comes easy. And not everything happening to us is what we would ask for or want. But we also know, Lord, from this text that everything that does happen to us has a good purpose in your hands. You are a good father who disciplines his children. Have your way in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we finished up the end of Hebrews chapter 11. And we saw there that faith does not guarantee an easy path in this life. So often that's what we want, isn't it? We want things to be easy. But Jesus does not promise to us a smooth path on the highway to heaven. He promises that he's going to be with us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He is everything that we need, just as we just sang a minute ago. But you cannot give up while you're on that road. That's the temptation. Give up. Throw in the towel. This is too hard. 
things aren't going the way that you want them to. We cannot give up. All of the promises of God are yes in him. Your reward is out there on the horizon. Jesus is there already proving to you that God will keep his promises. He endured the shame of the cross, but for the joy that was set before him, that's how he endured that. Joy out there on the horizon for Jesus, and he is now right there at the right hand of the Father, and he's making the promise to us that where he is, someday we will be with him. Do not give up. So he doesn't promise that this is going to be easy, but you might still have that question in your mind, well, why? Why can't it just be easy? That's what I want, Lord. That's what I'm praying for. I know you're able. And he is, isn't he? We just heard the song there and there in the offering. He is more than able. He is more than able. So no doubt Jesus could make everything easy for us. And at times, he graciously does give us easy but what is God's reason for not making it that way all the time? Well, we have to realize that if it's not easy all the time, and he could make it easy all the time, he must have different priorities than I do. That's not his priority. And to be honest, I think that if we could summarize our wish list for our lives, that easy would be pretty close to the top, would it not? Is that what you often pray for? In a sense, if you could boil it down, just make this easier for me. I want everything to work out always on time. Don't you? I want my problems, all of them, to go away when I pray that they go away. I want the money I need to always be there. I want my relationships to always be filled with love and peace, meaning that they never have strife, and I certainly don't want confrontation. I want to be growing by leaps and bounds in every season as a Christian. I don't want those winter times. I want springtime and summer all the time. I want to always choose the way of wisdom and never do anything stupid. Don't you? I want to never be sick and one day to die in my sleep and just wake up in heaven. I want it easy. And the cherry on top, I want it comfortable all the way to glory. I think you do too. But you know what? That doesn't happen, does it? And we do know that God has the power to arrange everything to be that way. He could clear out every stone that's in our path. He could level out every hill that is in our way, fill in every valley, give us only sunshine for the journey. He could, but he doesn't. Why? The passage in front of us is one of many that are in the Bible that teach us why that is. And here it is in a nutshell. God has a higher priority in this life than to just make things easy and comfortable. He's got a higher priority. What is it? He tells us here what that is. 
He is doing a necessary work in us through the difficulty and through the discomfort and something apparently that requires that it be difficult and uncomfortable to accomplish. It seems that the primary discomfort for these people that first heard this letter, first read it, what was the discomfort that they were experiencing? It was persecution from the outside. It was getting very difficult for them to live faithfully as Christians in that first century world where they found themselves. And as we saw last week, they are told here to consider Jesus. Last week it said looking to Jesus. Here we're told to consider Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. And what happened to him? He suffered hostility, we're told, against himself. Hostility. To the point of what? To the point of death, to the point of shedding his own blood. And these people right here are being told, well, it's not gotten that bad yet for you. It has not gotten to the point where you are shedding your own blood like he did. But looking to Jesus and his suffering will help you in your suffering. How? How is that supposed to help? We are to know, as we look at him, we are to know that his suffering had meaning. It had purpose. It was not meaningless. It was not unnecessary. In the plan of the Father, there was a beautiful reason for such ugly pain. And the writer here, he turns to these people and says to them, you do realize that you are sons and daughters too, right? God is your father, and he has purpose for your suffering as well. It is not meaningless, nor is it unnecessary. That's what he's doing there in that quotation from Proverbs 3 that you see there in verses 5 and 6. He's telling them, this is what God is saying to you. Listen to it again. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And he looks out at these people and he says to them, you are sons. You are his children. What do you expect? The God who loves his children disciplines every one of them without exception. And that is exactly what you are experiencing in this moment when things in your life are not easy. It is the loving discipline of the Lord. That's what he's telling them. So when you consider Jesus, who is the supreme son whose suffering in this life had a supreme purpose in the plan of the Father. He's telling us now as sons following behind Jesus to reorient our minds to understand the purpose that God has for you when things do not go well, when things are uncomfortable, and not just uncomfortable, when things are painful, that God has meaning and purpose for every one of those in your lives. Now, he's not saying that 
you have the same purpose for your suffering that Jesus did and his. His was unique. It was broad. But it lays down the principle for how I'm supposed to see my life and how you're supposed to see yours. And the reason why things are the way that they are. God could rearrange them. Everything could be easy, but he does not. Because he's doing a good work through that difficulty. Every child of his that he loves, we're told that he disciplines. And so here, the child of God is going to understand as he sees this passage of Scripture that his difficulties are God's good discipline. That's what you and I are supposed to understand when we read this text. And when this text reads our lives, it tells us the why. Why? Because you're God's child. And he disciplines you for your good. I know some of the things that some of you guys are dealing with right now in your lives. I know for many of you right now, life is not easy. Curveballs have come at you when all that you really want to hit right now are those good straight practice fastballs. That's what you want to hit all the time. Nice and straight, nice and easy, no deception there, no hardship. And yet life is throwing you curveballs. And right here you are being told why that is, that God has a purpose for those curveballs. Verse 7 says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. You're his children. And what does a good father do? A good father disciplines his own children a good father knows that his children have certain tendencies inside of them that need to be corrected. And if you're a parent, you know that, right? There are things that you see inside of your own children that you know you need to work out of them, and you are not going to leave them alone. Because if you leave them alone, those things are going to stay, and those things are going to grow. They're going to reap a bad harvest later on. And so any good father is going to discipline his children. He's going to do the hard work of parenthood. And the writer of the book of Hebrews expects that each of these people who are reading this letter will be able to relate to the concept of parenting. And they're going to have familiarity with the idea of being disciplined by an earthly father. And so his intent here is not to teach a parenting class, but we can certainly learn something from that, can't we? He's making it clear that any good parent will properly discipline his children, and everybody reading this letter is going to understand that that has to happen inside of a home. Undisciplined kids are going to have bad outcomes. And because a dad loves his children, he will correct them. A child doesn't like that, does he? What does a child want? He just wants easy. And if he doesn't get easy, what does he do? Throws a little temper tantrum, tosses himself on the floor, hoping to get his way yells. But what does a good father do? He proceeds anyway to discipline his child because the father knows best. And the child does not. He doesn't want little Johnny who is cute but a little tyrant right now to grow up into a not so cute big tyrant. And so love compels him to discipline his children. 
But guess who a good father does not discipline? He does not discipline those who are not his children. So you might be a good dad. You don't go and find all the other little kids around and start disciplining them, do you? That's not what a good father does. He lets the other father take care of that. That's not his business. Look at verse 8. Look at what it says. If you are left without discipline, so if you're undisciplined in this life, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. That's what he's saying here. So if you don't ever experience the discipline of the Lord, he's telling you that means that you are not his child. And so when things are not going well for you in this world, and you see it through the proper lens, having faith in Jesus Christ, you're following Jesus, you know, and somebody back there told you at one time or another, all your problems are going to go away if you just follow Jesus. I know people have been told things like that. Like magic genie in the bottle. You got Jesus, life goes well for you. And right now, it's not happening. Why God? I'm following Jesus. I'm doing the hard stuff of discipleship. I'm obeying your word. I'm calling out to you. I'm doing all of that stuff, and stuff is not going the way that I want it to. Any of you all can relate to that? And he's saying that the reason that that is is because you are a child of God and you will be underneath his loving discipline. And what do we know about discipline? It hurts. But what do we also know about discipline? It has a good purpose. <laughs> At least that's what children are supposed to know, right? And we would hope that even though we are considering ourselves mostly here in this room to be adults, we don't like being disciplined either. We're being told we're children of God. And it is painful for a time, is it not? But there is a good intended purpose behind that pain. So God disciplines those he loves, and those he loves in this way are his children. There is a kind of love that God has for the whole world. John 3.16 kind of love. God so loved the world. So there is that kind of love, but that's not what he's talking about here. It's not a general love. It is a particular kind of love that a father has for his own children. Because I might say, you know, I love, love these people, love these people. There is a kind of love that I have for them, but it is not the same kind of love that I have when I look at my kids. God is that way as he looks out in the world. There is a love that he has, broadly speaking, for everyone. Desiring all to come to repentance, loving these people in a particular way. But then he sees his children. And he loves them in a special kind of way. And he disciplines them for their good. As he prepares them to meet him in heaven. That's his aim, and that's what he is talking about right here. And so as things are challenging in your life right now, you're following Jesus, you're loving him, you're serving his people, you're seeking to do good, you're being faithful. 
And yet hardship, you find it at your door way more than you would like. God has a good purpose for you, his child, in that. And aren't we often just quick to throw up our hands and say, why me, Lord? Well, he's telling you why you right here. Because you are loved by the Father. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to let it go. He's not going to sweep it underneath the rug. He's not going to just make it easy. There is a hard work to do, and it's called your sanctification, your growth in holiness, and he will complete it. I hope that gives some perspective maybe to what is going on in your life. Maybe there's some things that are happening right now that you've not told anybody else about, that you're just carrying. There's some others of you here in the room who have openly expressed some of the difficulties that you are facing. And Miss Lois, I hope you don't mind. Can I mention Miss Lois is very open about some of the things that she is experiencing in life. I know that during the Thanksgiving service, you let everybody know that you have cancer. You know, but you talk to Miss Lois week by week and ask her how things are going. She is quick to express to you that she knows that she is in God's hands. She's not one that's throwing up her hands and saying, why me? Why is this happening to me? She knows that if it comes through the hands of her heavenly father, that it is all intended for her good. That is the type of perspective that we are being told here, that nothing that comes to us is a mistake. Miss Lois's cancer is not a mistake. It is something that has been placed in her life by a heavenly father. And I know that might complicate some things for you all, but I will admit right here in front of you that God is sovereign over everything, yes, even who gets cancer. It is not slipped by his notice. He didn't simply just allow it. He has a purpose for it in Lois's life. I don't understand all those things perfectly, but I know, I know he rules over everything. Every dust mite in this room, every dust moat floating in this room is held exactly where it is supposed to be by a sovereign God. And so cancer is not going to escape his attention. Oh, Miss Lois, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to land in your life. No, God has a specific purpose for that that will shape and mold her, prepare her in this life for a better life yet to come. We all, we don't mind pain, do we not, when we know that it has a good purpose? Maybe we mind it, but we're willing to go through it. And so I know that, Miss Felicia, you had some joints replaced a while back, right? I mean, who does that? Who goes and gets knees and hips taken out and put new ones in? Why would you do something like that? Because you hope that you'll be able to walk better later on, Right? So you know that there's something out there that's better for you than the pain that you're experiencing right now. So you're willing to go under the knife, and not just under the knife, but also the therapy that comes afterwards. I've heard some of you all say the therapy is so much worse than the surgery itself. Why would you go through that grueling stuff? Because you know something better is still yet to come. So you're willing to experience the pain for a time 
because of the hope of the better that is yet to come. And that is what God is telling us here. That the difficulties in life, call them discipline as a child, like the word says, or maybe it helps you to relate to it better as therapy that you go through after surgery. But there is pain and suffering in this life that all has a good purpose in the hands of a heavenly father. He is exact in everything that he does. And so this morning, as you were sitting there, maybe you're thinking about some of the difficulties that you face right now. Maybe it's not to the degree of cancer. Maybe it's not quite there, but right now it really is a burr under your saddle. It's hard. You just want it to go away. Well, understand that as long as it is there, it has a good purpose in the hands of God. He is using that very thing to shape and mold you into what he desires for you to be and that you will be someday in the hallways of heaven. Hardship is a teacher in the good hands of God to do us good. So here you are this morning and wrestling with a text like this. Maybe you've never encountered anything like this. Maybe you were always told that God just always wants to make things smooth and easy for you. And here right now you're being confronted with a text that says that's not exactly the case. Those Israelites who wandered there in the wilderness for 40 years, it says this whole time that God was teaching them and training them to humble them that they might know that bread does not come. Uh, I, I lost it there. What's the passage of Scripture? What is it? No. But anyhow, bread in the mouth of, you know, obeying God's word. I lost it. My apologies. It's not about just getting bread. It's about eating the good bread of God's word. That's my paraphrase. But he's, thank you. But by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Thank you, Dan Dabrinsky. But he was teaching them during that whole time, he said, to test them, that he might know what was in their hearts. And that's what he's doing with us. He's exposing our hearts along the way. He's putting us in the furnace along the way to draw out the dross, to make us more pure. He's refining his people and making us ready for a new place. That's what he's doing. He knows exactly what each person in this room needs and we don't all need the exact same thing at the exact same moment. So right now, maybe I've sat in a room like this before and I heard a preacher say, maybe things are hard for you right now. And I thought to myself, no, they're not. <laughs> things are pretty easy right now. But there will come a time when they're not. And God's word challenges us and it teaches us what his purpose for those difficult times are. Look at that last verse with me, verse 11. It says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Because if we could have our way, we would remove ourselves from this situation, whatever this situation is, because nobody calls pain pleasant. We don't naturally delight in it. 
So when James says something in James chapter 1, like, count it all joy, brothers, when you encounter various trials, you think to yourself, James, what are you talking about? Count it joy. This isn't joy. But there is a joy in knowing that God is doing me good. And I would like to think that my children, when I am disciplining them, would be able to say in the moment, Dad is always doing me good. Some of them are up there. The rest of them are out here. There's one. That's right. She's celebrating up there. She delights in my discipline. <laughs> Hardly, right? But you would like to think that in the moment, if the child is thinking rightly, ah, dad is seeking my good. I don't like what he's doing, but his aim is good. He tells us here that we all... We're willing to submit ourselves to earthly fathers, and we respected them. And it says that they did for a short time what seemed best to them. And I think what he's saying there is, is even though they did what seemed best to them, they sometimes made mistakes. And I know that as a dad, that my aim is not always good. I have disciplined my children out of anger before. Not always sought what was best for them, just reacted but for a short time, it says that children here on earth should understand that their parents do what seems best to them. And then he goes on to say, but he, God the Father, disciplines us for our good. And I think what he's telling us, he never makes mistakes. He doesn't ever mess it up. He never is reactionary in his discipline. It is always precise, exactly what I need. And if I am thinking properly as it is happening... And maybe right now you have taken an interlude here in worship and you're about to go back out there in the midst of whatever problems it is that you are experiencing. And I hope that you will take some peace from God's word to know it is not a mistake. Earthly fathers did what seemed best to them. Our heavenly father, the father of spirits, we're told here, never just does what seems best and he's just kind of throwing something at a wall, hoping that it sticks never. Whatever you are experiencing right now is for your good. He did not mess it up. I hope that you can take some heart from that. And it says that those who are sitting under his discipline, it will be painful for a time, even a short time, especially in light of eternity. You got this little dot on a map right now, on time, you'll have eternity. There are eons and eons where you will reap the peaceful fruit of righteousness from what God is doing in your life right now. You have a skilled and loving father who never messes it up. So two final encouragements before we close. First, realize from the truth of God's word right here that whatever struggles you are experiencing right now have purpose in the hands of God to bring about greater holiness. So I said at the beginning of this that God must have a higher priority than ease and comfort for you 
And he tells us he does our good or seeks our good to bring about holiness. That's his higher priority. Everything that he does in life is to make you more like his son. Holy. Perfect. That's his aim. And just hearing that truth today may be all that somebody here needs to hear so they can see God's goodness in their trials. Just to have it reaffirmed to you that I am a son or a daughter of the king and that God is teaching me something here. And I don't know what it is right now. I can't tell, but I know it is for my good, whatever it is. Children are notoriously poor listeners. They usually don't get, get it right the first time after being corrected either, do they? Like sometimes you feel like, i got to say this again. I've told you ten times today not to do that. Sometimes we're like that too. And children certainly don't like to do anything that requires hardship. They're always going to choose the easy path. But growing in holiness is hard and God the Father is going to make us holy, and he will do whatever it takes to get our attention, to bring it about, and hardship gets our attention. C.S. Lewis famously said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The world won't listen to him even in their pain, it seems, but his children should. So when you've got pain in your life, you know this is God saying something. He's accomplishing something in me right now. Maybe it changes your perspective just a bit. Secondly, because he is a good father, let his discipline have its intended effect. Let it have its effect. Let it have its way. Did we not sing, have thine own way, Lord? Have thine own way? At least at some point we have. What do you think we're saying when we sing that? Have your way in me. Change me, mold me, shape me. You know what I need to be, God. You are the potter. I am the clay. It doesn't feel good being shaped. But let his discipline have its intended effect in you. And that does not mean that you don't try to solve any of your problems, that you just sit there in them. But it does mean that you don't thrash around like a rebellious child, bitterness, complaining, getting mean. I think you've probably met people, I'm sure, who have been dealt a challenging hand in life. It's hard for them. And you know what? They act like it. They let you know through everything they say, life is hard and I am angry about it. But I'm also going to guess that you've met other people who have had it hard and there is a gentleness, humility, there's a peace in that person that radiates out and you think, how in the world are you like that when life has been so hard for you? It is because they know that they have a good father and right now the discipline seems painful, but it does yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, and all of that. That's why they are the way that they are. So I would say, avail yourselves of the opportunity to relieve any suffering. But while you are in it, accept God's discipline while you're there. 
like a child who is always being prepared for the time when he will leave the home. That's what parenthood is. You're always preparing your kid for the day when they're going to be out there on their own. You hope they're ready. You're training them. You're correcting them. You're shaping them so they can step out into the world equipped. Like that, we are God's children who are being prepared for a world with him. And the stuff that happens while we are here, it has a purpose to make us fit for heaven. You and I, we have a good father. And he does not make mistakes. And it will not be easy while we are here. But hopefully, you are encouraged by this text that tells you something of the why. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to a text like this. And as we read it, we say, yes, Lord, have your way in us. And it's probably a lot easier to say that while we are sitting in this room, gathered around other believers. And yet maybe this is when it happens tomorrow something arises and it will be very difficult for us to say in that moment, yes, Lord. But I pray that this word will come into our hearts when that does happen and we will know that you are a skilled father. That whatever comes into our lives is there because you have brought it to us as discipline. And there are things in our lives, God, that we admit that we need to be corrected on. We are sinful in our nature, and we are prone to wander from your word. Have your way in us. Use whatever means are necessary, Lord, to lead us back onto the path of righteousness following Jesus Christ. And maybe there are some people in this room right now who have wandered into sin. And no, they did not get there by accident. They've made choices. And you are telling them that you are their loving Father and that you will not leave them there. We praise you, God, for that. You know the best and perfect way. Guide us back to the path of goodness. There are other people in this room who are suffering sickness and difficulties, things that there aren't good explanation for. And maybe we don't see very clearly why those are there. Why, Lord? Why me? And maybe we don't get a good answer in life about all the details about why that particular thing is there. But here we are being told that we have a good father who wastes nothing in our lives. You will use every detail, all the smallest of things, are tools in your hands to shape and mold us. How much more are the big things in life? You're getting our attention. You're telling us that you are good. You're telling us you are wise and faithful. Teach us more. Mold and shape the people that call themselves Kaz Church for heaven. May we not waste anything here. So in the big and the small problems that our people here are confronted by, please, God, awaken us to the fact that you are good, you are sovereign, 
and you are at work in everyone's lives to make us more like your son. Make us holy, God, and make us more willing to accept everything that you bring to us and yield that peaceful fruit of righteousness in us even in measure while we're here and we know the fullness of that harvest will be there in heaven where our Savior is. All of the promises that you have made are there in him. We look forward to seeing him then. And we ask it all in the strong and able name of Jesus. Amen.